Today, we're gonna to talk about how to become more present and mindful in this 90 mile a minute world we're living in. Hey, it's Cheryl Sitz, here with another episode of Exploring Possibilities. We broadcast our entire library of shows through journeyofpossibilities.com, and our new episodes are published out through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, CastBox FM, and youtube.com slash Cheryl Sitz. And we will be with Darren Coburn in just a moment. I've been a broadcasting professional for 30 years now, and Mario's been in IT, well, a couple of years longer than that. So together, there's a lot that we can do to help you get your message out and reach more people. I'm passionate about audio, and there's ways that I can help you get your message in audio, either recording it for you, we can have a conversation together, and then you can post that on your website and give people a broader understanding of what you do. Then Mario's got a lot of IT magic he can put to it as well. Mario, tell us some more. What else What can we do for them? Well, that's the beautiful thing about who we are. It's like we actually have the capability to put you on the Internet in every way. I mean, we can put you on Instagram. We can put you on Facebook. We can put you on YouTube and give you some pointers of how to do it. I had somebody the other day say, well, I've never done a YouTube live. I don't know how to do it. We can teach them that. Yes, definitely. That's one of the things because we the way you and I work, we like to empower everybody. So rather than them relying on us, I mean, we can do that for them for the few first few ones. But we really want you to take charge of it. And you can see what all is involved. We do it with our energy work. We do it with our coaching. And we do it with our online skills. We empower you to reach more people and make a bigger difference. Contact us, CherylSits.com. And MarioRosales.com. Darren Coburn is the founder of Mindfulness Online Training, which can be found at MindfulnessOnlineTraining.org. And he has studied meditation and mindfulness for 20 years from a host of teachers and religions going on to help thousands find happiness and freedom through mindfulness and meditation practices. He does this with his coaching, training, music, and he's written two books. Today we'll be exploring his Inner Traditions publication entitled Living a Life of Harmony, Seven Guidelines for Cultivating Peace and Kindness. Passionate about guiding people to live in this present moment, he also brings that same degree of awareness to businesses and corporate consulting. Darren Coburn now joins us from England. Hi, Darren. Hey there, Cheryl. Nice to connect with you. Oh, it's so good to have you on the show. Thank you for making time. Time is probably something that you have a different perspective on since you're a meditation coach, isn't it? Well, when I was listening to you just then, I let go of time because I find your voice to be really pleasurable. The tone of your voice, I can understand why you've been broadcasting for so long and why you do so well at what you do because your voice is just divine so I was just mindfully enjoying that really well thank (laughs) you time disappeared (laughs) yeah that's delightful I appreciate that and I appreciate your book because you know as you just expressed so much of life we miss if we're not living in this moment and how much of our lives are we not living in this moment we're in what happened yesterday what we're worried about happening tomorrow or not happening it's it's kind of a challenge to be mindful in this world it's very difficult and it seems to be normal for people to be lost in their thoughts And obviously, when you're lost in your thoughts, it's either about the past or about the future. And what tends to happen when you get lost in your thoughts is that your thinking becomes unskillful. And then what comes out 
flows from the thoughts quite often is then on skillful communication and action. But when you're mindful and when you're in the moments and when the awareness is there, skillfulness comes out of that. Positive thoughts, skillful communication, skillful action, which is wise and which is kind. And then life is much more harmonious and straightforward. So what I am trying to do with my teachings is to shift people from being lost in thought to being more present and in the moment. And obviously I'm practicing that myself because I always make it quite clear to people that I've not perfected this. (laughs) (laughs) I'm definitely not enlightened. And uh, I would go as far to say that most of the time I'm lost in my thoughts. Uh, But I'm aware that I'm aware that that's the case and I'm working on it. And, And that's really what it's all about. It's definitely a practice. Yes. Yes. And I can tell as I meet someone, whether they're in that practice or out of that practice. And, and it reflects back to me whether I'm in my practice or out of my practice. So it's <laughs> funny how that works. Well, tell us a little bit about the man behind this book first. How did you get into all of this? I know you mentioned in your book that you at one time had some addiction and anxiety. Is that really what prompted you to find a clearer way to live? Yeah, it was. I was finding it difficult, struggling with work-life balance and you know the demands of life which you know most people face these days and the uh, challenges of building a career and paying for a home and looking after my family and all those kind of things and I was aware enough to realize that my mind was very stressed and busy a lot of the time and I knew that I needed to do something about it so this is when I turned to meditation practice and later getting more involved in mindfulness practice so I was really responding to my own need and this is why I'm able to teach it the way that I do because I come from a place where I I had minimal awareness um, to the point where I'm surprised when I look back at my life that something really quite tragic didn't happen Um, Because I was that unaware, and spiritually speaking, I was that unconscious um, that, yeah, it's it's just, it's actually, I'm grateful to be here today and uh, to be able to do what I'm doing. And I'm just so grateful uh, to have found meditation and to have found mindfulness and to being able to get some 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 space into my mind and some wisdom and kindness into my life which was just lacking so much um when i was was lost in thought and you know this was for uh most of my childhood and also for a significant chunk of my adult life yes and our culture i think both in england and in the united states our cultures are not cultures that promote stillness and mindfulness and present moment are we we live in racing cultures and it's really easy for the mind to race right along with it and so i love that you've mentioned stillness and gratitude and spiritual practices kind of all in just this opening couple of moments that we've been speaking all of that is kind of the foundation for this is being still and being grateful and 
and opening ourselves to get away from the busy mind and see what else there might be if we can still that mind. So the number one thing that I hear from people is I can't meditate because I can't get my mind to be quiet. Do you hear that a lot? Yeah, that people have all sorts of excuses <laughs> for not meditating. And some, some people don't understand meditation and they believe that meditation uh, means that you have to quieten the mind or the mind has to be peaceful. And that's meditation. And meditation isn't that. You know, meditation is is training the mind and it's being aware of what the mind's doing. And then optionally, what we can do, if we would like the mind to be quiet, the best thing that we can do is to invite the mind to do that rather than trying to control it. Um, it's a little bit like if you wanted to go somewhere with a friend, um, you're going to stand a much better chance that they're going to go with you if you invite them rather than tell them. <laughs> and the the mind's exactly the same. And And yeah, people believe that meditation means that you have to be in a certain peaceful state of mind and everything all has to be quiet and <laughs> you're rising up the, the, the various states of consciousness. And it's really about, depending on the type of meditation you do, because obviously there's, there's thousands of different types of meditation that you can do, but the, the, the mindful meditation um, and the meditation that is centered around awareness of your experience is really just uh, connecting with your awareness and observing what's going on. And what you find when you do that, and you're looking at all the different components of your experience, like your thoughts, um, you're observing your feelings, bodily sensations, things coming in through the senses. And you find that as you start to become aware of all of that and put some space around it, your thoughts will tend to settle and the mind just naturally does become quieter without even telling the mind to or inviting the mind to. That's just what happens. It's a little bit like when we bring some awareness to our breath. Uh, it has a natural relaxing and calming and grounding effect on us, on the mind. It does. And, you know, I think we would be in a different place if instead of having smoking breaks, cigarette breaks that we used to have historically in business, if we would have had these 10 minute mindfulness breaks, and hopefully we're getting to that place now, we, we're replacing some of these less beneficial vices with something like just being still for a few moments and, and breathing through the stress. I was delighted to see that part of your work is with corporate clients and business consultants, because I think nowhere more than business can we get lost easily in, in the mind and forget that we're a human being and not not a computer right and to breathe and to to manage our stress with our breath and those kinds of things is that how have you encountered that in business how has that worked for you in business clients well in business employees effective employees have awareness and they have concentration and they're also kind and friendly to the people that they work with, both within the organization and to their customers and suppliers. And mindfulness gives you all of that. And it also provides people with resilience. And with the increasing demands on the workforce, um, personal emotional resilience is becoming more and more, more, and more important. Um, so whichever way you look at it, mindfulness helps 
employees. And the other thing that's really helpful about mindfulness is that it allows people to make good quality decisions in any area of their life, but certainly um, when they're at work and they need to decide on which direction they're going to take something or whether they have a discussion with someone or how they have that discussion, what they do with their work, uh, whatever it is that they're doing, mindfulness allows them to not get caught up in their egos and to do things just through habits and based on old patterns. It allows them to be creative in the decision making. It allows them to tune in to the moment and to the situation and to the conditions as they are now. And then from a peaceful mind and a state of acceptance, decisions come out of that and action comes out of that. And then the employee is more skillful. And as a result of that, they're more effective and they help themselves, they help the people around them and they help the business. And I'm sure that you would have experienced this because um, most people do. Uh, I'm sure you can remember a time when you made a decision when you was lost in thought mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the stress that that caused you. Yes, right. <laughs> like, why didn't I just take work, a moment? You know, in, business, <laughs> in business, that's that's a costly uh, game to play. Yes. <laughs> and sometimes it's not just the mindfulness as well. It's not just with individuals. Sometimes like you get certain individuals and they can be mindful. But when you put a number of people together, um, the group as a group aren't mindful. Yes. <laughs> so what you can find is you can you can bring certain groups of people together and lead them in a certain way. And the group is in a mindful state because often with decisions, you know, uh, we need to make them. With, with other people um, in a group or we collaborate at work. Um, so so being able to manage that as well, it's not just about at an individual level, it's about group level, team level, organization level. There's there's a certain uh, degree of, of mindfulness. And if you get a group of people together and if their minds are peaceful and they're working together mindfully, they're going to make much better decisions for the business than than a group of people getting together and getting lost in thought and getting stressed and not you know thinking negatively um and then making uh, and reacting and making unskillful and wise decisions so it, it applies everywhere in an organization you know at every level and as i say it applies on an individual level uh, and on a group level as well and the more that you talk to businesses about this and leaders about this and just explain how it all fits together, the light bulb comes on and they go, ah, right, now I can I can see that there's a business case there and I can see that introducing a, a mindfulness program is going to help people. And the other advantage for, for employees is that if the employer provides mindfulness training or mindfulness coaching for them, it means that they can apply that outside of work as well as inside of work. So, and and they'll value that. That will feel like um, something that's very generous, you know, from the organisation that they can take what they've learned, and it helps them in the personal lives as well. So it's a it's a really really bene- beneficial thing for organisations, and this is why more and more places are are delivering mindfulness training now. 
It's a trend I'm really excited about because, you know, on its surface, the corporation is conscious first and foremost for profitability. And so they don't understand how it can be profitable to have people sitting around meditating. And and then as you explain some of the strong cases that you've just laid out, it's like, oh, yeah, better, clearer thinking and clearer communication among employees. Of course, it's more profitable. It's it's more beneficial for everyone. And you have a happier workforce and a more productive workforce. So I'm delighted to see that trend taking place and that you're doing that kind of coaching. I'd like to move to your book and talk about living a life of harmony. Now that we've just discussed, it's good for for every aspect of our life. It's good for us at work. It's good for us at home. You actually synthesized this down to seven guidelines but I think the foundation for all of it is a mindful way of living. Do you want to touch on how you came up with seven guidelines for us to follow? Sure, yeah. I was looking at my own experience and what I was investigating was that there are certain certain things that you can do and certain ways that you can behave that lead to more peace and more harmony and more mindfulness. And there are other things that you do and other ways that you can behave that don't. They do quite the opposite. And I've been studying different religions and philosophies. And I've been very interested in the lists. You get lists on personal ethics, like in Christianity, for example. You have the Ten Commandments. You've probably heard of those. <laughs> um, in, <laughs> in, in Buddhism, uh, you have precepts but it's precepts and there are similar lists in yoga and in the quran this so everywhere you look with the religions and philosophies they have these they offer these guidelines to people and when you look across them they have lots of similarities you know like be kind and uh, be truthful and when you do the opposite to what these guidelines recommend life becomes stressful and there's a direct correlation with mindfulness so when you're ethical in your life and you're living in the right way what you tend to find or what you do find is that it's easier to be mindful and the mind becomes more peaceful but if you go against what most of the religions and philosophies are recommending and you live your life in an unskillful way that causes stress in the mind and the body so and I don't know how this works, but somehow the universe that we're in and this physical realm that we're in has got some intelligence behind it, which are like rules, rules of the game. And if you follow them, you get on all right and life's harmonious. And if you don't follow them, you have a difficult time and it's stressful. So what I did was I looked at these different lists and I looked at my own experience and also came up with some of my own insights and I synthesized all of that together to produce a list of guidelines which are straightforward to understand um, with some techniques and practices so people can follow them and as a result of that they're going to experience more peace and more harmony and more happiness and this is Something that I want to mention about a lot of mindfulness courses. You go on a lot of mindfulness courses and they might teach you meditation and you may be doing things like body scans and explaining the benefits of mindfulness and all of that. 
But someone can go on one of those mindfulness courses and do all the practices. But if they are living unskillfully, they won't be mindful. Yes. And and also the reverse of that happens in that even without understanding anything about these um, lists, if you're mindful, then you automatically you do the right thing. So skillfulness flows out of mindfulness and unskillfulness, as I was saying earlier, flows out of being lost in thought. So our practice really has two parts to it. The first is mindfulness practice. So remembering to be aware, bringing mindfulness into our everyday activities, meditating and all of that. And then the other part of our practice is to reconfigure our life and reconfigure our behaviors so we're aligned with how the universe wants us to live. And you, you have to really go at it from both sides. And this is, this is what you find in, you know, in a lot of the religions and philosophies, what you find in Buddhism. You know, there's lists ethical guidelines that you follow, but then there's also practices like meditation. And, you know, we need to be doing both. And most people, they miss the, the ethics and I like that you bring it out of a religious context. This is not a religious book. This is a handbook for how to live in a way that is in harmony with the way we were designed to coexist together in this world. And you draw on what you've learned from all these religions without it being religious. It's more of a a synthesis of better living practices. And the other thing I want to say about it that's so great is that at the end of it, you wrap it all up with a bow by, by kind of guiding us in how to design our lives to incorporate these seven guidelines and create a lifestyle that supports following those. And that's nice because otherwise it's just another great book that I read that didn't tell me what to do with it. <laughs> mm -hmm. So do you want to cover just briefly the seven guidelines? Do you want to share those now with our listeners so they can see a little bit what they could anticipate learning about? Yeah, let's let's go through them. I'll talk through them very briefly. And then if you wish, maybe we can drill into one or two of them in a little bit more detail. Maybe when you hear them, there might be some that you're more interested in than others. Perfect. Yeah, because what people find with the guidelines is that some of them they've actually got quite a good handle on and they understand but there are other guidelines. Ah, oh, no, I need to work on that one. Yeah, that's <laughs> and, so true. And, 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 and that all changes um, as you go through life. But yeah, the seven guidelines, the first one is is honoring the body. So looking after the body, things like diet, relaxation, um, sleep, sexuality, um, also relationship with the body and being grateful and accepting of your body as it is now. In the present moment so that's the first one honor the body there's obviously a lot more behind this in the book and various practices and things um the second one is actually mindfulness that's the second guideline uh, in the book i call it be present bringing awareness and acceptance into every moment which is what mindfulness is all about and uh, we've talked quite a bit about that already the third one is is about kindness so it's act with kindness considering everyone and everything so obviously we can't be kind to everyone and everything, but in our, because we don't have the resources to do that, but in our actions, 
I'm encouraging people to consider not just themselves, but the whole in the actions that they take. And kindness and mindfulness are another two things that go together really closely. So kindness, love, kindness flows out of mindfulness. And when you're being kind to yourself and other people, that promotes mindfulness and a more peaceful mind. So kindness is is really important. Uh, the next one is to understand the truth, communicating it selectively and skillfully. So this is encouraging us to challenge ourselves sometimes and make sure that what we're thinking and what we're believing is actually true <laughs> in our own minds. And then once we clear about the truth, we communicate the truth in a way that's selective. So we just share what we need to and no more. Um, and also it's about how we communicate. So we're communicating in a skillful way. So it's kind and it's harmonious. So that's about truthfulness. The next one is, which is guideline number five, is really important, very important today and is getting more and more important, which is about doing only what needs to be done. And this guideline is there to really help people that do more than they actually need to. <laughs> Most people, they do more stuff. They do more activities than they actually need to do. Um, so this is really about simplifying your life and doing less. And then what you do do, you can do more mindfully. Um, so that's to do with simplicity. And the next guideline, number six, is also to do with simplicity, which is harmoniously obtain and retain only what you need. So this is encouraging people just to have the stuff that they need to be able to lead a reasonable life and to be able to live harmoniously, look after themselves, serve other people, that they've got responsibility for and take what they need but no more because again what what most people do and yeah, me included because as i say i'm not the master at, at all of this stuff i'm quite good at explaining it i, I have to work on my own practice <laughs> but most of us we have more stuff than we need and when we have more stuff than we need that means that we have to often have to do more to be able to get the stuff and we have to do more to be able to maintain this stuff. And it, and it tends to make life more stressful. So I'm encouraging people to simplify um, and just have what they need in life. And then the final guideline, and this is one that you don't find in many of the uh, religious and philosophical lists because it wasn't applicable at the time. But now, as well as having the physical realm, we have the digital realm. We have the internet. So our spiritual practice and our mindfulness practice needs to take that digital realm and the internet into account. And it's becoming more and more important because for most people now, the percentage of time that they are engaged with the digital realm 
and they're directing their awareness to the digital realm and communicating and acting within the digital realm more and more. So what I've done in that particular guideline is offer a number of ways that you can use your digital devices consciously. So there's tips there to help you be more mindful, to help you be more kinder, to help you be more skillful when you're using things like your phone and your laptop. And there are the seven guidelines. When you read through them, as I said, they're, they're very straightforward to understand. They're a challenge to practice, hence the book. Uh, and, and there's things in there to help you with that. Um, and it's really, as an individual, it's about looking at these different guidelines and thinking about which ones you need to focus on. Um, and I encourage people not to try and fix everything at once, but take a few things um, that you think that you need to work on and decide what the next step is going to be there. So when I talk through that, and I hope you don't mind me doing a bit of coaching with you, when I talk through that with you, were there any alarm bells going for you <laughs> or, si or sirens going, ah, that's, I, I've got to look at that one. That, that, that one really needs some attention. Did, did that happen? Well, you know, several of those kind of, for me, have rolled into one and I've been working on them over the last <laughs> several years. And that's less is more, you know, do less, own less. And, it, and it's not about to have this Zen life, you can't have anything. Because I've had people go, well, why do you want to get rid of all your stuff now? It isn't about that we can't have things, that we can't have nice things. It's about consciously choosing what is worth the time and energy and all of that to have, to, to dust and to take care of and to, you know, ensure and to all the things that we do with our stuff. <laughs> it Stuff is, is work. And so in that less is more, it's freeing up more time and energy for what matters the most to us. And so I just kind of wanted to expand on that because I've had a lot of people now that I am heavily into this realm of practitioners and light workers and, you know, meditation practices and all that. Why, why can't you have any nice things? Anymore? It isn't that at all. It's, it's, am I right? Is that kind of what you're saying too? Is that it, it's just that less is, is more space and time for what really brings us joy, which isn't the stuff it's, it's living. Exactly, exactly. And by doing that, um, that's also negating and stopping us from being greedy. And when we're greedy, that doesn't quite work no. <laughs> either. Um, that, you know, that always uh, will bring about stress. I refer to lots of different religious teachings and I study different religious teachings in all sorts of different contexts. And sometimes I will go and receive teachings or sometimes I'll be running study groups myself. And it's a combination of things, as I say, Buddhism, yoga, I love Eckhart Tolle's teachings, um, Christian teachings. Christian teachings address this really quite well. Um, there's a section in the Lord's Prayer that says, give us each day our daily bread. And what what that is really saying is that give me the basics that I need to be able to lead a life so I can look after myself and do what I need to do. It doesn't say, give us each day our daily cake. <laughs> it, says, <laughs> give us each day. it says, give us each day our daily bread. Um, and so I, I really like that. And, and in a way, in that teaching, we're being encouraged 
to pray or to ask the universe for that stuff. And if we do that, then it will be given. And, and so, so I think that's wonderful. And when I wrote this particular guideline around harmoniously obtain and retain only what you need, I, I didn't make that link. It's only later that I was studying the Lord's Prayer in more detail and then I actually was able to link them together and thought, ah, oh, yeah, that makes sense. So all, all of these things, whatever your religion or philosophy that you follow, um, you will find you will find this kind of stuff in there. And the reason for that is that the intelligence behind this big process that we're a part of, it's not specific to any religion. The religions are trying to, and the religious, religious teachings are trying to align with that intelligence, but there's only one intelligence. And in a way, there's only one set of rules, but the, the religions and philosophies present them in different ways. And to be fair, they do, a, they do a good job. I know that some people do have issues and problems with certain teachings and religions, but they, you know, they, they, they do help people. They do help people, you know, follow this kind of lifestyle. So I'm very grateful for all, all the spiritual teachings that I've come across. But as you say, this book, it's not a religious book. It's, it's really offering practical spiritual guidance in a non-religious way. But yes. if you are religious, if someone that's listening um, is, is practicing a particular religion or they're aligned to a particular philosophy, then that should be okay as well because certainly everyone that's read this and the feedback that I get is that it's compatible. I've never had anyone tell me that there's anything incompatible about what I'm saying here with the religion. Although now I've said it on your podcast, someone will probably email going, well, I know what you've said about this, Darren, but, um, which is fine because, you know, I don't mind having a challenge. Um, but no one said that, you know, um, to date, uh, it seems to be, it seems to be fairly well aligned with yes. other teachings. Yes, yeah. I found that to be true as well. And so I appreciate that about it. Well, we've delved into into a couple of these now. I'd like to do one more just briefly, and then uh, we'll probably have to wrap up. But you say honor the body. That's kind of one of my things, because I realize now that I spent most of my life working out, being fit, being a vegetarian, doing all these things that made me look great on the outside, but I was just dead inside. I was the walking dead inside. I was not a happy person. And I was trying to have a body that was good enough to be accepted by society. And that was good enough that when I looked in the mirror, I liked what I saw. That is very different than honoring the body. And yet I have come to learn that many people are on that journey. The th the, the energy behind the foods that we eat or the activities that we do is not of self-love, but almost of self-loathing. So can you speak a bit about honoring the body? Yeah, of course. I mean, in the book, I provide some basic guidance on things like diets, relaxation, sleep, physical activity, energy, sexuality. And the reason that I provide those teachings is although a lot of them are common sense, uh, many people don't actually put them into practice. So... You know, a lot of what I'm I'm covering off in this particular chapter, other pe people would have read elsewhere, but it's it's articulated in a way that's that's quite concise and accessible. But anyway, 
in front of all of that, in front of all of that stuff, in front of all of that activity, in front of all of that reconfiguration of the body and reconfiguration of your life conditions to change your body is relationship with the body. And in order to honor the body, the first thing, the principal thing is to accept and be grateful for the body that you have as it is now in the present moment and kindness to the body because it's only really from there and from a place of acceptance can you do the right thing by the body if you're not accepting the, your body if you're in resistance and if you think if you're looking at your body now thinking that your body's wrong then you're deluded because your body's not wrong your body is as it is now and that's exactly how it's meant to be now so we accept that we be grateful for whatever we have in the present moment. We be kind to ourselves, allow our minds to become peaceful, and then we decide what action we need to take and whether we need to make changes to diet or relaxation or sleep or to our work patterns and all of that. But it needs to come from a place of acceptance and love and kindness and gratitude for what the universe or God has given us in this moment. You know, that's not at all what they're telling us on those commercial breaks on television. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that, that's an interesting point because in a lot of the media, and, and this isn't just the case for these teachings we've been talking about, it's just spiritual practice in general. Um, it's as though it is, you're swimming against a current mm -hmm. in a way. Um, because there are so many challenges in front of us. There are so many things that are trying to push us in the opposite way to which we should be going. And this is why you have to put the effort in. And yes. even if you're swimming against a current, you can still move forward. And you can move yourself around and you can find places in the river or in the sea where you can move around the current. So rather than swimming against it, you can kind of go around it and find ways that you can flow <laughs> around through it and in the direction that you need to go. But we, we have to acknowledge that the current is there. And this has always been the case, you know, that there's, there's always things that are out there that are trying to trip you up spiritually and send you in the opposite direction to which you're going which you need to go <laughs> and that's and, and that's the challenge we face and this is why spiritual practice is for most people it is a challenge you know it's it's, it's not easy these days doing the right thing that's true oh, and, and in a way it, it's never been easy doing mm. the right thing um but i think it's everyone's job or it should be everyone's job to take responsibility for doing the right thing and, and, and allowing, you know, the earth to evolve and the human um, species to evolve the way that it needs to spiritually. Um, but yeah, you're quite right. You know, we, we get presented with a lot of challenges and, um, and we get told by very influential people to actually do things that are unskillful. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we do. So, yeah. Yeah. 
so it's great that you're doing what you're doing Cheryl and um, you know spreading teachings and ways that people can live um, and, and putting people on the right track I love doing it. I love connecting with people like you. It's such a gift in my life to be able to do this show and connect with people that remind us of what we really need to listen to, which isn't going to be on the television at all. It's going to be inside our hearts and our hearts will teach us how to love our bodies. Our hearts will teach us all seven of these guidelines and help us navigate how to bring them through in our own lives to be, as you say, more have more peace and kindness to live a life of harmony i love this book thank you so much again we've been talking with darren coburn and your website again is mindfulnessonlinetraining.org yeah that's correct uh on the website people will find hundreds of free resources there's articles there's podcasts and there are videos and there's also resources on there not just from me but from some of the world's leading mindfulness and spiritual teachers uh so yeah go and have a look you know maybe sign up to the to the podcast and and connect through on social media and yeah if anyone's listening and they've got feedback on the book or or the podcast or what i've been saying it's always nice to hear from people and uh people can contact me via the website I've got to say, you also have a very relaxing voice. I think it's great that you do meditation teaching because I could definitely meditate to your voice. It's fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you very much. All right. Well, thank you. And I also want to give a shout out to Inner Traditions for connecting us in the first place. I appreciate when they uh, reach out to me about great authors like you. And I like to wrap up my shows by asking if you have uh, a parting thought that you'd like to leave us with today. Yeah, I would invite people to to always go within to find the direction that they need to take rather than to react to the way that they may be being pushed <laughs> by someone or a particular organization. And, uh, and and take responsibility for how you conduct and direct your life and do what you know is right. That's great advice. Thank you so much. Darren, it's been a pleasure to speak with you today. Thank you for taking the time to be with us. Okay, my pleasure. Take care. And thank you, listener, for joining us. We'd love to hear what you thought. Share your feedback at journeyofpossibilities.com and show us a little financial love, too. We always appreciate that. It keeps the show going. You can do that at journeyofpossibilities.com slash support. If you can't do that, at least rate us on your favorite player so others will find us. And we'll see you next time on Exploring Possibilities. <laughs>